0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Since 1999, the late Hugo Chavez and his disciples in the Fifth Republic movement have been in power in Venezuela. Their politics of cultural and political hegemony have exacerbated an already delicate situation in that South American country such that the United Nations High Commission for Refugees estimates that more than 6 million Venezuelans have fled their country because of lack of food, water, and electricity. Whoa. <laughs> and, a lot, and a constant threat of violence. The Venezuelan refugee crisis is the third largest external displacement in the world behind only the war-torn countries of Syria and Ukraine. Refugees from Venezuela are often left with only the clothes on their backs as they escape violence, oppression, and degradation. The vast majority of them have settled in Latin and North America. About 50% of them are in Peru. Nearly a quarter have settled in the United States trying to navigate the convoluted and expensive asylum process. Adding insult to injury, earlier this week, 48 Venezuelan asylum seekers, men, women, and a dozen children were put on airplanes with no indication as to where they were going. Vulnerable, confused, and afraid. They were transported from Texas to Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, a mostly rural island community about three hours south of Boston. Stuck in the middle of the ongoing and never-ending fight between Republicans and Democrats, these 48 human beings were nothing more than pawns for politicians as they argue with each other about their own particular immigration policy. Faced with 48 new residents who arrived unnoticed and without much more than a backpack worth of their life's possessions, the people of Martha's Vineyard had a choice to make. They could throw up their hands and say, it's not our problem. They could call on immigration officers to handle it for them. Or they could, as they did, welcome the stranger in their midst loving their Venezuelan neighbors as themselves. According to the Martha's Vineyard Times, by about 5 p.m., less than two hours after the planes had landed, the sheriff of Dukes County addressed the asylum seekers, saying, we are going to take care of you. Get your belongings and we'll move, because the most important thing is for you to have food, water, and shelter. Their first stop was Martha's Vineyard Regional High School, where they received food, water, and shelter. 90 minutes later, they loaded up into school buses and rolled out from the high school to St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Edgartown, Massachusetts, where they spent two nights. Edgartown Pizza provided dinner. Mocha Mots brought coffee, Local lawyers supplied legal aid while dentists and doctors offered medical care. When faced with people being used as unrighteous mammon for political gain, the people of Edgar Town and Martha's Vineyard showed compassion, grace, and love. They lived into the gospel of Jesus Christ. The 150 members of St. Andrew's Episcopal Church were, one might argue, faithful with the little that they have while ministering to those placed on their doorstep. Our gospel lesson this morning is probably the most difficult parable Jesus ever told. In most parables, we can easily make allegorical relationships, The parable of the lost sheep that we heard last Sunday, it's very clear. Human beings are the sheep who get lost. And God is the shepherd who comes to find them. But here, it's just not that simple. God being a greedy master who violates the Torah and charges exorbitant interest, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Or Jesus as the unrighteous servant who cheats his boss to save his own tail. Well, that doesn't feel quite right either. It's not real obvious what Jesus would have us glean from this parable as we read it in isolation this morning. But when we put it back into its larger context in Luke's gospel, things maybe come into a better focus. The parable of the shrewd manager comes on the heels of three parables about lost things. You heard two of them last Sunday, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Then the lectionary skips over the parable of the lost or prodigal son. Now here we are with this strange story about debt relief. Can't help but wonder if Jesus ended up telling this story because of the bad pun that Mother Becca talked about in her sermon last week. The Pharisees are named that because that's not fair, you see. I wonder if the reaction to the three lost stories was the same reaction that the older brother had when his dad threw a party because his son had returned. It's just not. All this rejoicing about that which was lost, about those who by their own mistakes ended up lost. It's not fair. It's the same response we hear about Narcan saving the lives who have overdosed on fentanyl. It's not fair. It's the same response we hear about those having a portion of their student loan interest forgiven It's just not fair. It's the same thing we hear in response to those who have left everything they knew to escape poverty and violence in Venezuela to find a new and better life in Texas. It's not fair. Jesus is clear in this parable that life in the kingdom of heaven is not fair. Life in the kingdom of God is a life in which God has written off the debt of sin that all of us carry. None of us deserves the grace given to us in Christ Jesus, and that is precisely the point. Our response to the illogical, unfair grace of God is what Jesus seems to be getting at in this parable. We can choose to say none of it is fair and to hoard grace for ourselves, to ignore the needs of those around us, but that won't take us far in the ridiculous economy of God. It might make us feel better in this highly individualized 21st century American culture, but it won't carry any weight in the kingdom of heaven. Our other choice, the one I think Jesus would have us make considering this parable is to realize that none of this is fair and to give away as much grace and mercy as we possibly can. To take every last thing entrusted to our care and to share it with our neighbors, friends and strangers alike. It isn't hard for me to imagine how Christchurch would respond to a situation like the one St. Andrew's Edgartown found itself in on Wednesday night. Whether it's Room in the Inn or Churches United Help Ministry or the Wednesday Community Lunch or having Narcotics Anonymous meetings here for free, there's a lot of stuff we do around here that the world would say, well, that's not fair using the resources that we have for the betterment of our neighbors is exactly what this congregation has shown itself to be about again and again and again. We are and will continue to be faithful with what we have been given so that we might be entrusted by God to be faithful with even more. that we have so much isn't fair. It is only right then that how we use this massive physical plant and our abundant and historic financial resources should be wildly unfair for the glory of God. Giving away those things that will pass away is the only way to cling tightly to that which shall endure eternal life in the kingdom of God. Amen.